I'm your host, Jeff Dawson, for another episode of Dawson's Domain, where we cover the spectrum of life's pressing issues and events, from politics to relationships, sports to horror, alternative history to poetry, humor to baseball coaching, and everything in between. Dawson from a actually turning into a nice afternoon in Dallas, Texas. Still a little chilly at 53, 55, but we get to see the sun, which we hope to enjoy for a couple of days until this next cold front comes roaring in and plummets the temperatures. But I will say that we're going to be fortunate that we're not getting these snowstorms that are going through the Midwest. In the Rockies and into the Northeast. They can keep that shit up there. Don't need it down here. These people in Texas can't drive when the sun's out, much less when there's any moisture in the air. A couple of quick notes. We lost three people that I really did admire through the years of late. We lost two baseball greats, Don Sutton and Hank Aaron. And I really admired Hank Aaron. As a child of the 60s and 70s, I look back at my friends and I think of Hank. I still have his book that we bought at the book clubs and the book fairs in elementary school, Hammering Hank. So I've got that in storage somewhere. But, you know, I I just – the racial deal is a whole different story, but I never looked at Hank in color because I also like Bob Gibson, Manny Sanguian. I mean, the list goes on. I just looked at them as baseball players. That was it. And losing Hank, that was really set. You know, Willie Mays, Lou Brock, Kurt Flood, these were great baseball players. They weren't great black players. They weren't great white players. They were great baseball players. And Don Sutton, he was a stalwart with the Dodgers and just yesterday Christopher Plummer passed at 91 for those of us old enough I'm 61 and those of you who have seen the sound of music that's Christopher Plummer for those of you who enjoy World War II you might remember him in the Battle of Britain and if you haven't seen that movie the Battle of Britain which was filmed in I think 68 it is phenomenal yeah there's a couple of really bad special effects when a junkers dive bomber ju87 crashes into this building by the radar station but other than that all the air scenes you see that's actually going on they filmed all that they got pilots from around the world to come fly the german and british planes and if you don't believe me Go look it up on YouTube where they actually show how they made that movie. A a, a brilliant film, no doubt about it. If you have any questions or would like to join the discussion, you can call in at 888-627-6008 or 323-744-4831. And I'll get into my self-promotion here in a little bit, but I got a real gripe. Okay, we've been in... The COVID state since some places it's been a year. And then it took a little bit longer, say March and April, when people decided you can work from home. Companies said you can work from home. And I know a lot that are doing that right now. They are working from home. Well, we've been at it a year now. Now, someone tell me why Hewlett-Packard can't pull their head out and start catching up on printer stock. Have you gone to Office Depot or Office Max to try and get HP cartridges? Have you tried to order them online? Good luck with that. My printer uses the 63XL they become extinct. The only thing 
that I can pick up is the basic 63 and that just, even though it's $10 cheaper, they don't last a damn. That's why they came up with the XL series. It lasts longer. And as a writer, I print out a lot of stuff so I can proofread what I write. So I don't look like a moron when I actually put it up, whether it's on Facebook or my blog, or especially in my books before I send them to an editor. I can't do it off the screen. I just, the eyes cross, they get glossed over and I'm just not taking it. So yeah, I'm old. I want to print it out. I want to hold it and I want to look at it and then I can make my edits, but I got to have ink to do that, you know, and no, I'm not going to pull out my old Underwood typewriter and start banging on that because I don't know if my fingers could take it anymore. They're too short, fat, and stubby. I could do it when I was in junior high, high school, and out of college. But now, no, I got spoiled. I can handle the keyboard, but that old typewriter, I'm sure I could do it. But probably have carpal tunnel surgery, and that's the last thing I need. And I've also noticed I've gone back and watched some of my playbacks. And it's kind of irritating to me. I'm always moving around. I can't sit still like a lot of the hosts. Well, that's because I got screws in my back from 11 years ago. That was a real fun surgery, a 360 lumectomy. And I still feel it to this day. So trying to get comfortable at times is a push. So I'll apologize that just right off the top. It's not because I got ants in my pants or Mexican jumping beans in my pockets. It's because my back hurts like hell some days, but we move on. What can you do? So yeah, HP, anybody out there work for HP? Will you get with production and ask him just what in God's name they're doing and when they plan to get these, their stock rebuilt, my God. The country can come up with a mask for everybody and face face shields for everybody and more ventilators than you can shake a stick at. But HP and I saw where they had a record year. Well, I'm sure they did because everybody's sitting home. So they're buying printers and they're buying ink. But what good is the damn printer if you can't get any ink for it? Can someone please explain that? It's kind of. Like, well, I've got a car, but I don't have a battery in it. So what the hell good does it do me? It doesn't do you a damn bit of good. Got everything but thing to power your four wheels. Same thing with the printer. I got I got the best printer on the market. You got any ink for it? Huh? Got any ink for it? No. Well, I guess you just bought a really big bookend. Dumbasses. So yeah, if somebody knows HP, knows somebody that works there, Y'all have had a year to figure this out. And if you're manufacturing all this stuff in China, we'll stop that shit right now and have it made in the USA because you got a whole lot of people that need to buy ink cartridges and they need to do work. Surely you people can figure that out. I guess time will tell. All right. Book review. This is for the World War II folks out there. There's three in the series. Earl Earl F. Zemke wrote them. And it is about the war in Russia. I read Moscow to Stalingrad and Stalingrad to Berlin. These are not easy, uh, relaxing reads per se. You're just not going to sit down and start and knock it out. They're about 700 pages each. And I found these about, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago at a small bookstore in Terrell, Texas. And I think I paid like, I don't know, 1250 or $15. These are great books. If you are an avid World War II buff and you really want to see how the war played out there in the battles. And the one thing that he really brings out is the fog of war. 
because no matter what the plans are, how well laid out they are, how many men and machines and equipment you have, and how detailed your plans are, they don't always pan out because there is always something that happens that can't be accounted for. And the way he writes this, I can't even remember how many battles that either the Germans should have lost or the Russians should have lost, but they couldn't find the enemy. They didn't understand their enemy's disposition, their communication collapses, their problem with supplies and logistics. And it happened on both sides multiple, multiple times. I mean, we look at the maps and we see, okay, the Germans started here and they just went right through Russia. Well, yeah, by the history books, that's correct. But when you read about these battles and he really goes into depth, that's why just the two I read were like 1500 pages combined. Fascinating, a fascinating take on how each side won and lost battles. So if you haven't read them, do it. You will not be disappointed and it will have you thinking, rethinking everything you knew about the war on the Eastern Front from 1941 to 1944, 45, excuse me. Brilliant books, just brilliant. Okay, sports, let's get into that. We all know we got the Super Bowl tomorrow. You got old man Brady against the young gun Mahomes. So who are you picking? Personally, I just want to see a good game. That's it. Because that has been kind of an anomaly of late when it comes to Super Bowls. They just aren't that memorable. Now, what I'm enjoying about it is we aren't getting deludged every day with the two-week media frenzy that usually accompanies this game, which is about a week too long. I really don't care what those idiots have to say. And those of you who have listened to me and followed me, you know that I don't like announcers. I don't like news anchors either, but that's kind of a given. Because I don't need their opinion. I don't need their take. I don't need their useless analysis. I just want to watch the game. Because you can talk about it until the cows come home. And half the time, actually more than half the time, you're worse than weathermen. You're never right. You're in-depth and analytical. Look at this. And then when they break down all the plays, man, I don't give two shits about that. Just show me the game. Let me watch the game and dissect it at my own pace, not your pace. Because I don't watch the game to listen to you talk. I watch the game for the game. What a novel idea. Idiots. Okay. So I just hope we have a good game. And I'll say this much. I really thought Brady was going to get knocked out this year. I thought what happened to Joe Montana when he left the Niners and went to the Chiefs because he wasn't ready to retire what happened now Joe made it a year and a half with the chiefs before he got that hit that reminded him, uh, you're not in your twenties or early thirties anymore, Joe. Now Brady's front line has been very good at protecting him. If he wins, if the bucks win this year, Tom retire. If the bucks lose Tom retire, I know Everyone is talking about your athleticism and what great shape you are in. But, you know, we can be in our best shape, but we also got bones that hold our frame together. And they're not as strong as they used to be. And you got ligaments and you got tendons that are holding everything together. For your sake... And your wife's kind of like what Tony Romo's wife told him. You want to walk the rest of your life or what? I admire Brady. He is the best quarterback to have ever 
strapped on a helmet and played the game. You can't take that away from him. Yep, that means he's better than Bradshaw and Staubach and Montana and Young. But comes a time where we all got to hang it up, whether it's for personal or health reasons. So just think about that, Tom. Good luck tomorrow. I look forward to a good game. But think about it. Don't keep tempting fate. Because if it does catch you like it did Joe, that's not going to be good. XFL. Haven't heard anyone talk about the XFL. In fact, I was discussing this with some friends the other evening, and they all looked at me with a blank face, and they go, is it still around? Yes, it is. But McMahon made the decision that there will be no XFL in 2021. You can decide if that's a good decision or not. I'm not sure what the city's told him where they play, but I'm sure he didn't want to roll the dice and try and play and then have like last year, half the season canceled. So good for you, Vince. You made a call for whatever reason, because the articles I found didn't go into much depth, but you made a call and I respect that. You want out. You want to wait until next year and hopefully everything is settled down and you don't have to worry about paying these guys for a full season and they only play a third or a half. MLB, that is still on course. Now, there is talk that the Biden administration, not the MLB front office, but the Biden administration is suggesting they delay it a month. Now, I didn't check to see if there are any new articles today on that, but as of right now, opening day is going to be March 30th, April 1st, across the country. Now, are all those states going to open up and let them play? Are they going to fly around the country or are they going to consolidate? And they could, they could consolidate in Arizona and Florida and play their whole seasons there. Are they going to do that? I haven't seen anything on that. I don't think so as of right now. It's not the plan. The plan is to get out there and open it up across the country. We will see. But I am excited about that, and I hope we have a good baseball season, unlike the 60-game bastardization that we had last 60-game season. Yes, we got some baseball, but 60 games, man, that's just the warm-up. That's just getting ready for everyone to find their stride. But, hey, the Dodgers finally won one. Shortened season, so let's put a big asterisk by that. Dodgers win. Okay. And speaking of sports, I came up with another stat. This one's really disturbing. I went to look at the average age and the length that uh, some of these fine individuals, representatives and senators have been serving in D.C. So here's the scorecard. I found this list. The top 15 oldest congressmen and senators in D.C. 15. Take a guess what the average age is. Just a wild guess. I, I was rather flabbergasted, to say the least. It's 82. The top 15 are 82. 
and I could go through the names, but I'm not going to. You can look that up. Five of them are 86. The youngest that I found is 70. And you wonder why we have problems. And when I saw this, I just kind of laughed because a lot of my friends on the left side just have been hooting and hollering for decades that they're tired of old white men making policies that affect them. Well, go look at the list and see who in the hell is in the House and in the Senate, what color they are, and then look at their age. And you vote for these people. Hell, the top 15, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of them are Democrats. That's insane. You don't think we need term limits? Oh, but here's the next scorecard. How many representatives in the House have served over 36 years? Think about that. 36 years. That means they were elected 18 times. 115. No shit. 115. In the Senate, 23 have been there 36 years or longer. And you wonder why our system doesn't work. This is nuts. Absolutely nuts. This should have every logical, analytical person raising holy hell on term limits. <coughs> and if not, <clears throat> then you sure the hell can't complain about bills that are passed that you don't like. You got people that have been in there so long, they don't care. You really think they care? No. But what they will say on their side of the argument is we bring experience. Well, you know, bad experience is bad experience. Just because you've been there a long time doesn't mean you know what the hell you're doing. How many people have worked for somebody or someplace where there are people, employees that you worked with that had been there a long time and still couldn't pour pour crap out of their boot with written written directions and you're standing there holding it for them. We've all worked with those people. Well, looking at this list and this horrendous scorecard, no wonder our country has gone to hell and is screwed up, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat as the president. These people need to go and we need term limits. That's all there is to it. You don't agree with that? Then don't bitch and complain. Because there it is, right in your face. I mean, the, the 30, 115 people, 36 years. 23 in the Senate, 36 years. Oh, and the last scorecard I want to go over is uh, executive orders. Joe's up to 49 in two weeks. No president has done that and i'm not going to get into the memes and the debate about the dictatorship and all that stuff but all of my friends on the left well he's overturning all of trump's horrible policies blah 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 really you know how many of those were overturned 16 that's 32 percent so what about the other 33 why don't you go look them up and see just how good those are. Good Lord. All right. I, I won't get into that. That's a whole different topic. But I, I have noticed something of late. When he signs his executive orders, do you, do you notice how many people aren't in the office? And I don't want to hear about the social distancing. They spent, what, over $600,000, if not more, doing this deep cleanse of the White House and the president and the vice president and a lot of their staffers, they all got vaccinated. Why the hell is Kamala Harris always standing 
in the back, out of view. You barely see her, but she's there. The first time I noticed it, I was like, did they bring some new furniture into the White House? It's a hat rack. No, it's not. It's Kamala Harris. Can you imagine the outrage from the media if Trump would have had his wife or his daughter standing in the back in the corner like a petulant child being punished? You know they'd have a field day with that, and they would raise nine kinds of hell over that, and he's a misogynist, and he's a womanizer, and he's the worst person that ever stood up, but no one, not one person has said a word because the excuse will be, we're social distancing, my ass. Give me a break. It's okay to leave her in the back. You heard anybody in the media bring that up? No. Not even his outstandingly wonderful press secretary, Jen Saki. You know, if you really want current news and someone that analyzes it, and I'll brag on myself. Follow me on Facebook or my blog at LDDJEnterprises.com. And the reason is I notice a lot of stuff. The media, it takes them, I guess, because of their producers or their reviewers. They just don't pick up on a lot of stuff. And I've got another example when I was watching a Monday night football game and heard something. I'll get into that in a minute, but. It was, uh, I believe it was on January 28th, and I was watching Pasaki's presser, and the, she took the first question. I never saw Kaylee or Sarah do it, and Spicer, I just didn't like. I thought he was a horrible choice. He was just, he was nuts. I don't know, and even Trump apologized for making that decision. Good for him. She took the question and then she looked straight down and started reading. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. What, what the hell is this? Well, the only way you could have this written down is if you'd already gotten the question prior to the press conference. And then that became news. I believe starting Tuesday, the conservative, Red State, Fox, I mean, go through the list, Breitbart, they all finally picked up on it. I'm watching it going, what the hell is this? How can she have answered that question and she's reading her response? Oh. They're having to submit them prior to the press conferences. Why would a press secretary want that? Kaylee didn't have it. Sarah didn't have it. And they went toe-to-toe with those people. But I'll say this much about Kaylee. She was prepared. I, that, that girl impressed me. I'd never seen so someone so prepared on every topic, and she did not say, I'll circle back with you. That seems to be the word of the day, and the press is eating it up. We'll circle back. We'll circle back. We'll circle back to what? When I worked at a construction company about five years ago, that was the word of the day. Circle back my ass. My boss said that to me, and I said, "What, what did you say? Well, we'll circle back. Circle back to what? I need an answer. And I need it now. This is just another one of the N words, just like thinking out of the box. 
Circle back is an excuse for not walking into a meeting being prepared. When I walked into meetings, I was prepared as much as absolutely possible. Yes, there were times when I walked out. All right, we'll have to look into that. Give me a few days. I will get you an answer. But this woman is supposed to know she can't hold a candle to Kaylee or Sarah. That's all there is to it. I don't want to hear circle back one more time. But I guess that's easier to say than, oh, I don't know, or I don't have a clue, or I didn't think about that. This is just useless. But the point is, it took the people that make 2 to $10 million a year four days to figure this out. And this is where I'm going to go back to the football game that I watched. This was probably 20 or 25 years ago. And it was Bob Costas. And it was during the halftime show. And it wasn't a halftime show. It was Bob Costas talking about gun control. And I had to look twice and go, what the hell did he just say? What the hell did he just say? Do you think ESPN, because they were they were around, they were gaining traction. Nobody said anything about it for like months. And I looked at people and said, did you listen to the halftime show? And they're like, well, not really. And I said, you should have, because this was the first time that Politics started infecting sports. I was livid. And yes, I read an article about it. I was pissed. I don't care about your political commentary, Bob Costas. You do good just to call the damn game. And it has just gotten worse since then. So my point is, Am I going to catch everything? No, nobody can catch everything. But when I see something really glaring and really obvious, I'm going to jump on it like white on rice and let everybody else, including Fox, catch up. Because at times I don't even know what the hell they're reporting. I really don't. It's like I tried to watch them this morning. That was about five minutes too long. Yep, not watching that. Not watching Not watching any of them. I don't need a bunch of overpaid bobbleheads talking to me on a fine Saturday morning. That's just not going to happen. Okay. And, and here's another thing. On these uh, executive orders. And Fox actually did a decent piece. I believe it was General Kane who was on. I'd have to verify that. But it's about Biden made this big speech about we're pulling out of Yemen. We were never in Yemen, you dumbass. We're supplying them with arms and equipment. We don't have troops on the ground. We don't have a fleet stationed off of Yemen. Well, it's Yemen. Who cares? This is what I hear on the left. It's just Yemen. Well, pull up your Google Maps or look at your globe or get an old encyclopedia and look where Yemen is located. It's a pretty damn strategic country from a military standpoint. Whoever controls Yemen can control the Red Sea. And if you're not familiar with the Red Sea, that kind of meets the Mediterranean Sea with the Suez Canal. And the Suez Canal was built so that, obviously, for hydroelectric power, but also for allies to move fleets freely in that area and cut down a tremendous amount of time so they don't have to go around the Horn of Africa. See, that wasn't there during World War II. 
So if you had, if the British had fleets in India, they had to go all the way down around Africa and come back up, come through Gibraltar to get to Malta. Not an easy task. It is very strategic because if Iran, who is pushing the civil war, can take Yemen out, Omar's next because there's not much there. Now you've opened up the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia because now they're going to be kind of squeezed. So geopolitically and militarily, leaving Yemen alone is a very bad move. Well, then the left says, well, Look at what Bush Sr. did, and look at what Trump did with the Kurds. They were our allies, and we abandoned them. Well, with Sr., he didn't abandon anything. The mission was to kick Hussein out of Kuwait, and that's what we did. It wasn't to go in and take Baghdad. Bush accomplished the mission. Saddam stayed in power because that was also not part of it. It was taking over the Iraqi uh, Iraqi government. It was to kick their ass out of Kuwait and destroy the Republican Guard, and that mission was accomplished, and we moved on. It was that simple. It was that simple. Well, Trump abandoned them. Well, go in and look the whole thing up. We were never there. Yes, they helped us destroy ISIS, but it was a tentative relationship or alliance. We weren't there to make sure the Kurds got their own country. We were there to destroy ISIS and then let those people figure out what they're going to do. The Kurds have been looking for a home for decades. This is nothing new, but if you listen to the media, oh, it's all Trump's fault. Or is all seniors' fault? No, this has been going on. These people don't like each other. They just, the Sunnis and the, uh, oh, damn, I forgot the other one. They don't like each other. The Kurds will always be in flux. They've been in flux. They're nomadic. They can't find a home. It's just the way it is. But, Yemen is strategically important from a military standpoint. It reduces fleets' ability to get to where they're needed in a timely manner. Look at the map. Figure it out for yourself. Okay. Oh, now let's talk about a couple of the bills that are going on. And I'm going to use a German term, Lebensraum. You ever heard of that? Know what it means? Well, this was something the Germans did during World War II. And they were basically breeding factories. They wanted strong German stock. Well, if the men were off to war and the women had no family, they sent them to these birthing hospitals so they could be cared for, tended to, and propagandized. A friend of mine two days ago told me that the U.S., that there was a bill in the works. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. No. She was right. Cory Booker has submitted a bill. Are you sitting down? We're going to pay you $1,000 to have a child and put it in a savings account and then, based on your household income, we will deposit in that each year up to $2,000. 
This is what the Germans did in the 30s and the 40s. They gave medals to women for having babies. Look it up. They had three classes of medals based on how many children these mothers had. And it's coming to the U.S. near you. I believe I read there are 14 other senators, including Schumer, supporting this. Where the hell is the money coming from? The whole purpose of this fine piece of legislation is to stop this wealth equity gap that we have. Okay, I can understand that. But do you really think the government is going to give you, say, let's see, a thousand? Uh, let's see, let me do this real quick. Because it's up to 17. So $33,000. You think they're going to give that to you free and not expect anything? Show me a government that has given people something and expected nothing in return. History would tell you that's never happened. If we're going to give you money now, they can't touch the money until they turn 17. So who's going to be watching this money? The government. So when that, when it's time for you to start taking that, you really think Uncle Sam isn't going to want something in return? Anybody who thinks that, oh, well, they're just being benevolent and nice is an ostrich with their head in the sand. And again, I didn't check to see what the birth rate is in the United States right now per year. Where's the money coming from? Because we are approaching $30 trillion. In fact, if they pass this next COVID bill, it will put us at $30 trillion. Who's paying for this? I have talked about this before. Who in the hell is paying for it? Where's the money coming from? The Fed? The Fed doesn't have any money, but they've got ink unlike HP. At least the government can get ink, but I can't get it from HP. So they can keep printing out trillions and trillions and trillions of worthless, useless paper money. They're devaluating the hell out of the whole system. And if you can't see that, then go back to Economics 101. There's going to be a breaking point. And when we hit that breaking point, you think the crash of 29 was bad. Baby, you ain't seen shit yet. It's going to be ugly. And inflation will just skyrocket through the roof. This has got to stop. But it's not because is the scorecard I gave you. You got a bunch of old fogies and females that have been there so long, they don't care. And they've been in power so long, they don't care. That's a scorecard you cannot forget. You just cannot forget. I don't know what it's going to take to get this boat get this train back on track because it is completely out of control. So there's that bill. We're going to pay. What did I call it? Breeding to pay, uh, paid, paid to breed. That's it. That's what they ought to call it. Paid to breed. What a wonderful concept. Bunch of crap. Pay you to have kids. And then pay you every year in a savings account. Like I said, that's what Germany did. You think about that. Now, if y'all missed my Facebook live that I did last week and due to time constraints, I can't go into all of it because you just can't. I spent an hour and 15 minutes on this bill. 
But if you haven't seen of it, seen or heard of it, it's called For the People Act of 2021. Look it up. The feds want to take over all federal elections. Senators, congressmen, presidential. And the high points of it are, if you've watched Fox or read some of the other conservative stuff, they've just kind of highlighted it or seen Tommy Lauren. They kind of touched on it. Well, everything that they said is right and more. 16-year-olds are going to be able to vote. Ballot harvesting is going to be rampant. Uh, The government is going to have a starter program for three states where they send each state $10 million. Then they divvy it out to voters who in increments of $25, and then they are allowed to take that 25 the government gives them to give it to a person running for office since they don't have the funds to be part of the campaign contribution uncle sam is going to pay you to contribute to a candidate what type of crap is that it's in the bill dc becoming a state is in the bill not having to identify yourself not having to show proof of residence not having to show a valid identification of anything or that your signature matches up is in this abomination of HR1. And the thing that really grabbed my attention when I read the whole bill, which is 400 pages long, is how come they can't write every bill like this? Because it's pretty damn specific in what they're going after. It doesn't pull punches. It shreds the Constitution. So this thing's been, they've been working on this for months and months and months. It just didn't pop up overnight. And it's horrible. It's horrible. For either party, this is terrible. Prisoners, get to vote now. And the states are going to be funded by the feds so that they have the proper facilities and equipment so that the murderers on death row can vote. When you go to jail, you you lose your rights. At least that's what I was taught when I grew up. What about you? You break the rules of society. You pay the price. And part of that price is you don't get to vote. Not in this one. You all get to vote. And we're going to pay for it. And of course, it's got all of its racial crap in here on how minorities are disenfranchised and how they can't get out and vote. Well, if that's the case, then how in the hell did 155, 153 million people vote in the 2020 presidential election, the most ever on record, and damn near that's half the population of the United States, just underneath it. We've never seen a turnout like this. Never. And according to BLM, because of their efforts and their support, they got the entire minority community to vote Biden in. So where was the disenfranchisement? There wasn't any. But it's in this bill. It's a bunch of crap. You can go watch my Facebook Live, or you can download a copy and start scratching your head and your ass as you read through it going, what in God's name is this? And it is H.R. Bill 1. This is the first thing they're looking at. Think about that. Okay. Where are we at here? All right. Now, one thing I want to get into is a book I wrote. And it's very applicable right now because I don't know what people are. What, what are you looking for? What are you searching for? Hell, you got people out there watching shows where people are talking to 
John F. Kennedy. Why? What are you searching for? We had the QAnon explosion. And of course, if you listen to enough of whatever left-wing stations you want to watch, every Trump supporter is a QAnon fan. I've had people ask me if I'm a QAnon. Hell no. When I found out about it and read a little bit, I just shook my head. I was actually on some shows and they interviewed me on it. And I said, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. In fact, I want to debate two of these guys. And this was back in October where all this shit was going to hit the fan and blah, blah, blah. And none of it happened. And then they just kind of disappeared. What are people searching for? Why do you care about some guy who says he is the conduit for John F. Kennedy? And all these conspiracies that are floating around, what are you grabbing at? And I got to thinking about this book that I wrote, Why Did Everything Happen? Because there was a time where I was looking and trying to get answers. The title of the book is Why Did Everything Happen? When I first came out with it, I titled it God's Plan, A Glimpse into One's Life. Both are very appropriate. I changed the title because of a friend who had some published books out and he felt that the title was too long and wouldn't capture a large audience. And I thought about it and said, okay, yeah, so let me come up with another title. And I thought about it for, for a while and came up with why did everything happen, which is very apropos. It covers, I was definitely searching for something. I was not in a good way back in the mid nineties. I considered I'd lost my business. I was going to lose my house, my land. I'd already lost my kids. We'd gone through a divorce a couple of years before. So basically uh, I was, I was down to nothing. I was working for a buddy of mine who had a restaurant and he paid me $20 a night to come and clean it. And that's what we lived on. I already lost two of my kids because their mom was moving to another state and I've realized this is the best for them. So the oldest son stayed with me, but I knew that time wouldn't last long. And after he left, then, and I think the kids were like 11, nine and seven back then, some, somewhere in that age group. <coughs> so I found myself walking around the park in Kaufman, Texas, contemplating suicide. But the one thing that stopped me was what would my kids think? That's the only thing that stopped me. I had nothing to live for. I didn't have a relationship with God and I had no money. When people say they're broke, I've listened to people say they're broke. And then I look at what they're driving. I look where they live. I look at what they were doing entertainment wise. I said, no, you're not broke. Come over here. Let me show you what broke is really all about. But what the book goes into is I lost my partner, I lost my dad, and I lost my sweetheart, all three to cancer. They all died seven months after they were diagnosed with it. I found that really interesting. All three of them. So I'm trying to figure out why did everything happen? Why did I go broke? Why did I lose my kids? Why had life been this hard? Why did I lose my partner, my father, and Debbie to cancer? Why was I there for them at the end? 
And that's what I was searching for. I was searching for something to tell me what, why these things had happened and why I had gone down this path. And in the book I use, the bus driver is God. Because there are many times I want to get off the bus. Yep, he's not slowing down and he's not opening the doors so that I could jump off and just roll down the hill and hopefully come out unscathed. I got my answer. And it wasn't through a conduit and it wasn't through some unknown source to latch on to. After Debbie died, now, Debbie was my high school sweetheart. We dated in high school. We had a terrible breakup, and that's the book, Love's True Second Chance. Then we reunited, and seven months later, I kissed her goodbye for the last time because her breast cancer took her life. I was a mess for 30 days. I mean, 30 days. I couldn't function. I showed up to work, but I couldn't do a damn thing. I was absolutely useless. I just took up space and kept replaying the video that her daughters and I made of her. That's, that's, I was useless. So I decided I got this thought that, okay, I need to go eat dinner, but after dinner, I'm going to go to Seagullville, Texas for whatever reason. I don't know, but that's where I'm going. I'm going to go to Seagullville. So I invited two gentlemen to go to dinner with me and they turned me down and that just pissed the hell out of them. I mean, they never turned me down for a free meal and a cold beer, but they did that night. I go to dinner and then I go to Seagaville and I am absolute mental wreck. Some of us have been there. Some of us haven't. For those who haven't, I hope you never have to go through this. It, it's, 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 it's really tough. And I had this real heavy weight in my chest that I couldn't shake. And I think some of you can relate to that. And I sat there and, and just broke down. I cried and I asked God why. And I got an answer. I got an answer from Debbie. She said, you did what you were supposed to, and I'm very thankful for that. Now it's time for you to continue to live your life. My dad and Larry were also there. And I got the answer when I look back, I was put in places business-wise to fail, which really seems odd, but to fail so that I could be with them. Now, Larry and I were partners, but when I went broke the second time, I moved in with my dad. I got to take care of my dad the last seven months. If I'd have had a successful company, that wouldn't have happened. I'd have been able to spend time with him, but not provide the care that I was able to give him. With Debbie, I had a job that I was to the point where I could do it remotely per se. But I found solid answers from the Supreme Being. I went through these trials and tribulations so that I could take care of those that I loved. I was there when we needed each other the most, but I got answers. I wasn't looking for conspiracy theories. I wasn't looking for some wild, outrageous ideas or talking to somebody that would have the answers. I found the man who had the answer. And that's what, why did everything happen about is about. I don't have to go on the internet. I don't have to go to a show that 
has to show me the answer. I'm reading this book right now, 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. My God, he's long-winded. But there are some good caveats in the book. I can compare what I'm reading from him to my book, Do Your Damn Job, only my book is condensed when it comes to management techniques. Mr. Peterson is a psychologist, so it's going to be long, and there's going to be a lot of reinforcing. Well, I don't need all the reinforcing. Just get to the facts that I can apply and something I can use. So you really got to go through the weeds to get to the heart of what you're seeking. And then why did everything happen? And to a degree, love's true second chance. That's what I do. I got an answer at a cemetery in Seagaville, Texas. And when I left that cemetery that night, that weight that I described earlier, that was just like someone's crushing your chest, it was gone. And I thought, okay, I'm imagining that. That's not really happening. Let's give it a few days. Let's question that you got the answer you were seeking, but you don't believe it. And I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that. Oh, that didn't really happen. But it did. And as each day passed, I could breathe again. I didn't have this heaviness in my chest. It was gone. I found the answer to the question that I had asked to why did everything happen? Now, I know people are trying to look for answers on what happened in November of 2020, and they're still looking for answers. Well, you think you're going to find it on the Internet? You think you're going to find it from a conspiracy group, from someone who's supposedly a conduit talking to the deceased? Or do you need to look at yourself and talk to your God and see what answers? He or she, depending what you believe in, see if they'll give you an answer. Because you can spend months searching and still not be satisfied. I was very satisfied with the answer that I got. I found out why everything had happened. And if you want to find out why everything happened, then look to your inner self and your faith. And you just might get an answer to the question you've been asking. And folks, I've really enjoyed this. I hope you have too. You can find all of my books on Amazon. You can go to my blog, LDDJEnterprises.com. You can find all the books there. You can find excerpts from the books. Or when you go to Amazon, click on the sample page to see if you like what I write and see if it entices you because I cover every genre Pretty much there is. I say that in the promo. I mean, baseball man, baseball coaching manuals, two books of poetry. I've got sci-fi. I've got my World War II vampire series of vampires taking on the Third Reich. I have Debbie's book, Love's True Second Chance. Why did everything happen? I have another one in the breast cancer series that's living with breast cancer. I've got two books on dating Russian brides, which was really fun. 
you know, all I'm doing is responding to the letters that they sent. And so it's an epistolatory when it comes down to it. And there's some other writings I have, which I would really appreciate it. If you do get a copy that you would be kind enough to leave a review or I've got a Jeff Dawson 59 Twitter account. I take constructive criticism. If you don't like what I write, I am very open to good comments because I am always looking to improve my writing techniques because if I wasn't, then what's the point of doing it? We have to strive for perfection because we will never be perfect. And if we think we're perfect, then we've lost our own way. Uh, you can support me by buying the books or I do have Jeff Dawson Patreon account and I'm still working on building that up, but I'm getting there. And if you are a business owner and you have spent tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on seminars and you don't think you're getting what you paid for, I've got a LinkedIn account or my personal email at jdawson41 at netzero.net. I will come and talk to your company and show you the techniques that have worked for me and it won't cost you an arm and a leg. And when I'm done, I believe your employees will go, you know, that's what we've needed to hear. Because I talked about that two weeks ago in the last episode. You can manage until the cows come home and not get results because if you don't address the problem and you don't answer the right question on why did it happen, you're not going to get the answers that you're looking for. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have. And I look forward to talking to you all in two weeks. Until then, this is Jeff Dawson signing out from Dallas, Texas. And we're out. I hope you enjoyed our time together. I know I did. Without you wonderful listeners, this show would not be possible. If you want to know more about me and how my brain works, that's a scary thought. Check out my books at jeffdawsononamazon.com, websites, LDDJ Enterprises, and jeffdawsonauthor.site for upcoming releases and teaser excerpts from past and present publications. You can also contact me at Facebook, LDDJ Enterprises Publishing, or email LDDJEnterprises at gmail.com, or on Twitter at jeffdawson59. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dawson's Domain.